Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in on this topic on after the five C's comes the six chronic diseases. I am Dr. Roslyn. Chronic diseases are defined broadly as conditions that last for a year or more, not only requiring ongoing medical attention, but may also affect the activities of daily living. Despite holding campaigns to raise awareness for prevention, the number of reported cases of chronic diseases continue to rise in Singapore. The concern is not just the issue where people involved are getting younger in age, but also more people being diagnosed with more than one chronic diseases, especially our elderly. So with me today to discuss this topic is Dr. Matthew Chen, a geriatrician from National University Hospital. Hi, Dr. Matthew. It is a pleasure to have the conversation with you to discuss this topic. Also with us today is Bernadine, a year four nursing student, uh, from our nursing schools from NUS. Hi, Bernadine. Hello. Right, so first question first. Um, may I start with um, Dr. Matthew uh, to have a brief introduction of yourself? Thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm a consultant geriatrician uh, working in NUH. Um, so I am uh, a clinician um, at heart, um, but I also have an uh, interest in both education and research. Uh, with some emphasis on uh, frailty and cognition. So uh, I'm just really thankful for the uh, opportunity to uh, come and join this discussion today. Oh, hello, uh, I'm Bernadine. Uh, I'm a year four nursing student from NUS. Yeah, um, not much background. I'm just a nursing student. <laughs> Thank Very you happy to have you here. So today <laughs> we are glad to hear from your from your perspective as students on what you see on our older adults uh, in our society at large. Right. Yes. So uh, maybe we'll just start with a very uh, simple question. We all agree that our elderly um, is living longer, but do you agree that they are actually healthier? Uh, so that's a very good question. Uh, and um, in fact, uh, we do have uh, data on this. So if we were to look at um, the trends for life expectancy, as well as the years that um, older adults live in good health, um, both numbers are actually increasing for both uh, men and women. Um, in, um, for example, 1990, um, women uh, can expect to live up to 77 years old, uh, and then for men, it's about 73. Uh, and comparing that with um, data we have from 2016, which is um, just five years ago, women actually can expect to live to 85 uh, and men to 80 years old. Now, if we were to look at then um, the um, uh, data for the years that uh, men and women are living in good health, uh, this number is increasing as well. Yeah, so um, in 1990, uh, women are actually living to uh, maybe expecting 68 years of good health for the 77 years that they are expected to live. Um, uh, and rest for men is about 65 years. And this number actually increased uh, in 2016. So as you can see that the numbers uh, uh, are increasing, you know, for, for, for both sides. And I would imagine that um, the main issue that is um, uh, able to explain, right, is of course, you know, our, our improvements uh, in um, our public health, like hygiene, screening programs, Right. And naturally, you know, um, as a result, we are also picking up uh, more and more people, you know, with chronic disease. So all in all, I, I would say that um, the, I guess the general outlook is that, you know, people are growing older. 
uh, and are expecting to live uh, more years in good health. But of course, uh, I mean, if you think about it, uh, the, the converse uh, uh, can also be said uh, of the years that you live uh, in poor health, right? Um, because um, if you were to take the numbers that I mentioned earlier, right, uh, there is still quite a significant um, number of years uh, that uh, men and women are living in poorer health. Right. Um, and this is probably not just because of uh, chronic disease, right? Um, it's probably from a multitude of factors, right? It can be um, psychosocial factors. It can be uh, from um, other medical problems um, that um, end up contributing um, to, um, I guess this is a condition known as frailty, right? Which also includes, you know, um, having to take more and more medications and they tend to also interact with one another. So the, the, the issue cannot just be brought down to just chronic disease alone. To me, it sounds like it's a good news that actually our elderly are growing healthier based on the statistics that was provided. And that probably uh, explains that um, our elderly are actually putting in more efforts to manage their health in terms of prevention and maintenance. Do you think that um, the, um, the education level, their exposure, their support from their community plays a part in improving their health behavior as well? Well, that's actually also interesting, right? Because um, we do know that um, if we were to compare uh, the uh, older adults uh, uh, in terms of their education level um, compared to 10 years ago, certainly um, uh, the population is getting more and more educated. And um, if we were to look at that from uh, even in a, a regular clinic, I do see uh, quite a spread of uh, older adults. So we have um, those who are um, old, right? They are maybe 75 years and above. Uh, and compared to that of the oldest old, there is quite a difference uh, in terms of um, the educational levels. Uh, and that, I guess, also shapes their um, uh, uh, attitude right, towards um, looking after themselves. Right, yeah, and, and if I were to then compare that with uh, some of the public talks that I've given uh, in the past, right, that they are all very motivated uh, to want to get healthier, right, and they are finding all ways and means. Um, the, the challenge sometimes I find is uh, with uh, the information that they are receiving, right. Uh, I'm not sure whether you know you've seen like some of the the uh, maybe messages you know that um, older folk are, are sending around um, uh, like via WhatsApp that kind of thing, right? And and sometimes you know I, I do see you know in, in fact even my parents. I'm not sure about yourself. I'm not sure whether Bernadine has any experience as well. But um, yeah, so I I do see uh, messages you know uh, uh, propagating some myths you know yeah and and. Um, sometimes it is important to then be able to discern right between what is um, really um, um, accurate news versus uh, you know the the term nowadays uh, fake news, right? Yeah, and especially in this uh, pandemic uh, era, right? Yeah. What 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 have your experiences been? 
Uh, for myself, definitely what you talk about, the fake news is very rampant in my family as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've been, uh, I've been, uh, because uh, I'm a healthcare professional as well, so of course I could see out whether it was true or not, and I could um, disclose if, um, uh, because of course they share all of this because they're anxious, right? And now it's such an uncertain period as well, the COVID, the pandemic, and definitely it will impact other people as well, especially those with chronic diseases as they need to do their regular checkup. Then they start thinking, oh, should I even go for my uh, counseling today? Because now there's the pandemic, I don't even want to go near the healthcare institute. What if I get a COVID-19 when I go there? You know, of course they raise all these uh, concerns. So I think uh, it's very important to um, help them and also increase their awareness regarding fake news. Not everything on Facebook is true, <laughs> especially <laughs> Facebook for some reason. I do not know why, but yeah, definitely. I also want to uh, give my input regarding like the mental health and awareness. I think the reason why they're not so isolated is because like, uh, they definitely have more better mental health and awareness through a lot of the programs that the government rule out. Especially there is like the Befrienders program that really help reach out um, elderly who are isolated and lonely, which is actually quite a crucial bridge in raising greater awareness and also the negative effect of chronic diseases. And like others like, such as like the Madaka, Pioneer, Active Aging, all this really helps the elderly lah, in coping uh, in their health. I think that's why there's also an improvement. Looks like there is um, more awareness you know, among elderly to better manage their health. Um, as opposed to the past, do you think that more elderly are actually having more than one chronic diseases? Uh, that trend is uh, evident. Yeah. So in fact, uh, this has been explored uh, in a recent local study as well. Um, and, and we do find that um, those with um, three or more chronic diseases um, are increasing. Uh, and um, while um, the study didn't really go into the details about um, trying to find out the reason behind this trend, um, there are some um, hypotheses that are being, that are being put forward. Um, and um, the main um, uh, reason for this trend uh, is also probably because um, of um, the awareness, you know, like that what uh, Bernadine has mentioned, right, that there is uh, more opportunities for health screening. So, you know, all the, the, the efforts you have really been put in, right? Um, and, and of course, um, I think uh, many people are stepping forward, right, to, to take this up. Lah. And in fact, this is um, also seen, you know, as part of like, um, since we're, you know, talking about COVID-19, right? Um, yeah, people are also stepping forward, you know, to consider um, vaccination against COVID-19, right? And, and we do see quite a significant number of um, older adults getting vaccinated as well, right? Um, of course, um, there are some who has um, other reasons, you know, medical reasons, um, social reasons for um, declining vaccination, right? Um, but uh, I think this is really evident of um, how um, enthusiastic, you know, people are um, towards caring for their own health. It's an interesting point that you brought it out that it's not that our elderly are not managing their health that leads to an increased number of chronic diseases. Rather, it's an active part from our healthcare end for, to provide the um, screening 
and preventive activities that leads us to have an early detection uh, of their health conditions. So in actual fact, it's actually a good thing, right? Because if we had not dis uh, discovered earlier, it will lead to uh, much more complications. Yes, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, of course, you know, when you are picking up um, chronic diseases like um, hypertension, diabetes, right? Um, and and uh, intervening early, you are actually delaying um, the complications of uh, these diseases. Right. And, and complications will include things like heart attack, um, stroke, right? And um, uh, to a certain extent, um, uh, uh, it is also trying to prevent a cognitive decline, right? Which in fact, um, a lot of um, older adults that we see are very concerned about. Uh, and so, you know, they, they do take an effort, right? And so we then need to be able to cut through uh, the fake news, you know, and all that uh, to make sure that they're on the right track. Yeah, you know, the thing about uh, Facebook, I think just to add on to uh, Bernadine's point earlier, um, or any other social media platform is that um, these um, applications are uh, driven by algorithms to uh, keep your attention on them, right? Um, and so um, they have employed different ways and means uh, to do so. And, and um, one of them, right, is really um, making sure that, you know, you are in an echo chamber, right? You like a certain post, the, the system decides. Correct. They decide that, um, yeah, this is the kind of thing that will keep your eyeballs on it. So they can be pushing very similar articles. Does it pose a challenge to you when um, elder, older adults actually go and um, um, visit you in the clinics and try to challenge you with all this information and even um, wants to uh, seek a clarification on your treatment plans? Do you often have this kind of um, confrontation from our older adults? I, I wouldn't call it a confrontation though. Um, in fact, uh, I invite such conversations because it is it is a chance, you know, for, for education to occur, right? It is a chance for us to clarify any doubts they have. It is a chance for us to um, uh, make sure that they are receiving, you know, the right sort of information. Of course, um, at the end of the day, you know, the advice that we dispense in the clinic session um, uh, has to be individualized, has to be tailored uh, to the older person, right? Because, um, uh, there are perhaps you know, they have their own um, preferences, their own idea about things, right? And so then this is how we need to also um, change mindsets and change hearts lah, in that sense. I, I like the way how you put this entire um, um, situation such that when elderly confronted you or rather you know, ask you ab about some of the um, information they received through the media, and question you about how you do your treatment plans. You actually make use of this opportunity to educate them. It's actually a very good strategy to catch their attention, to even provide them with the right information. So rather than putting in special time slot to uh, provide the education um, relevant to their health issues, you actually created an opportunity to provide the uh, information to them, which is good strategy. What do you think, Bernadine? You have a lot of patients that will often come to you and question you why you're doing 
based on what they have read online? Uh, yeah, like a lot of them, they were like, I Google about this. Actually, it was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and then I would look at them like, oh, uh, you Google about it. Okay, uh, what did you find out? You can tell me we can learn this together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, that's that's good. You actually uh create a a relationship with them, right? Yeah. To to tell them that you're willing to listen from their point of view. Yeah. And and yeah. what was the outcome usually? It was it was quite funny because uh one of my uh patients that time, I mean, cause I was in a ward based setting, right? Then uh she was quite concerned cause she was uh newly diagnosed with um diabetes. So like I mean, it gets kind of scary when. You Google and then the first thing you see is like complications, like you will lose your food and all that. So it gets it gets really terrifying to her. So like when I was there, then the first thing she said was, Oh, the doctor diagnosed you with diabetes. Then I'm like, oh okay, Auntie. Then she said, It's very scary. Do you see the images? And then I was like <laughs> And then she was like, When is my food going to turn like that? Then she showed me a picture of a necrotic food. Yeah, and then I, I was just looking at her and I wondered and I wondered how she googled until it became that, the image. So um uh, then she said, I heard that then she told me, Oh, I heard that if I do this, I think it was some um some uh non like it's not a medication or what. It was just some ointment or something. Then after that she told me if I put this ointment, my blood circulation will be better and all this. She was just telling me all these things. Nah. Then uh me not knowing about what that medicated oil was about, I was like I was like, why don't you tell me the name of the medicated oil? Let's find out what does it do together because I also have no idea, Auntie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because it's quite a busy uh fast-paced kind of uh, setting, they might they might just stare at the patient and say why. And it might be a source of frustration for some of the healthcare workers uh, because they are like, where are you getting all this information from, right? They are just wondering. So I think, especially with the pandemic now, there's a lot of misinformation due to like everyone wanting to know more, especially with like vaccination as well. So I think that it's very important that uh, we all redirect them to sources that are legitimate and accurate. Like, you know, like, I don't know how many times I repeated this because I was in the community setting for one month, but uh, because they always ask about uh, COVID-19, I always tell them to go to the MOH website or the WHO uh, where the information is accurate. Yeah. So I think that in like I think instead of getting frustrated with all that information, I'm like, oh, if you want to find out more, you can go here and here. Then I think this will help dispel all these fake news, you know? Yeah. And I think you bring up two important points. It's like the first one is really um healthcare themselves uh needs to and readjust their mindsets that when patients come to them with all this information, they should be ever ready to provide them the information and not to take it personally. And the second point that you have raised is that uh, it further uh, emphasized that healthcare providers plays a critical role in um, having all the information and resources uh, ready for elderly to provide them information when they ask for it. And if we fail to have that knowledge equipped in us, uh, we will not be able to manage that um, situation well. And that would be the missed opportunity to allow our patients to better take care of their health. At the same time, also uh, will not 
providing the assurance that the condition is going to get better. So that was actually a very um, powerful experience that you got there. I also want to just acknowledge uh, uh, Bernadine's uh, experience just now. And I, I'm just so inspired and so impressed, you know, at, at her, her um, uh, exhibition of true wisdom. Because, yeah, yeah, because, um, uh, you know, it, it is really true wisdom, right, where you acknowledge that there are gaps in your own knowledge, right, and, and then you did something about it, right, and, and, and in the way you approach that matter, right, was instead of being um, authoritative, it was, it became more of a consultative approach, right you were you were collaborating with the patient right to, yeah. to discuss about her condition right yeah and dispelling myths and all that and pointing her towards the right direction um of course it can be challenging right in in um, a ward-based scenario and um given you know the time constraints and all um and um so uh, other avenues, right, we'll be also looking for um, patient information leaflets, right, that's available in the ward. Yeah, or in the internet, whatever, yeah, because um, there are um, certainly resources uh, for conditions, especially like diabetes, uh, to have um, such uh, materials as well that you can provide them. Uh, and for some reason, in, you know, if the setting that you're working in does not have uh, uh, an information source like that, right, um, then that also is an opportunity for um, quality improvement mm. or, you know, it's also a, an opportunity to um, come up, you know, with some resources, uh, uh, maybe just a list of uh, websites, that kind of thing, uh, point them towards um, uh, 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 understanding the condition better, right? And it was really to this end um, that, you know, like um, last year, you know, when it was way early in, a, in the pandemic, you know, we also saw that there was a, information gap uh, for older people uh, with regards to COVID-19. Uh, and then um, uh, within um, NUH, uh, we also came up with a set of resources, right, to, to point um, older people um, to um, uh, how they can maintain their health uh, during this period of time, right, um, uh, maintaining their diet, kind of exercises that you can do at home, other information resources that they can reach out to, Right, and then uh, we actually published it in um, four different languages, right, to reach out to as many people as possible, right, and so then even the website itself um, has been uh, accessed thousands of times, and it has even been um, gone on to be published uh, in uh, the American Geriatric Society, right, on an international platform. So this is not just the work of uh, one person, but it's really a multidisciplinary team effort, lah. Oh, yeah, so, so this is like uh, an, also an example of how, how we can move on uh, to, to manage this um, uh, issue about uh, information and as well as uh, about health literacy. Mm, mm. In fact, um, it is really a, truly a patient-centered care where we don't expect patients to listen to us only, but we provide them with a listening ear. And more importantly, we have built out a relationships with mutual understanding and improve the care needs they truly uh, required. So that was actually a very good move uh, to go about it. Respecting them, hear what they have to say, 
and we provide them with the information uh, with, uh, without bias and judgment. So it is a mentor that all healthcare providers should have. Mm. Yeah, and, and that is where the um, relationship then becomes a therapeutic relationship. Yeah, and then they, they, they will be more open, right? Um, if, if you are actually listening to them, um, it is, it is um, giving them um, the, the power, you know, to, to make these decisions themselves. It is empowering them with that ability, which I feel then it ends up uh, uh, being a win-win situation for both sides. Yes. So they can take charge of their health uh, with much more control and they are actually uh, given the responsibility uh, of their own health as well. So which actually will yield higher compliance rate uh, to their treatment plan. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, nowadays we are also moving away from um, uh, talking about compliance but to adherence instead. Yeah, yeah, because, um, you know, by the virtue of the um, word to say, hey, you know, you need to comply to this, right? Um, becomes also very um, uh, 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 commanding, very authoritative, right? Yeah, and, and really, I think uh, we are beginning to see that, you know, people do want to take charge, right? They do want to um, be uh, involved or responsible for their own health, right? Uh, and, and so they need to be empowered, right, with um, the right amount of information so that they can uh, make um, the right decisions uh, for their own health, right? And decisions doesn't mean that um, if it's unwise, you know, then, you know, it, it is uh, uh, the wrong thing to do, right? Um, we all make uh, decisions um, uh, and, you know, it's, I guess, uh, maybe down the line, you know, that uh, someone would then regard it as uh, being a wise or unwise decision. But at that point in time, you know, if you are presented with X amount of information and then you end up deciding on a particular uh, yeah, action, right, um, or inaction, then, then um, yeah, it's, it's, it's how, how it will go from there. Mm -hmm. That's good. So, um, so these questions about uh, on um, whether our elderly are um, holding the mentality that having a chronic diseases in their older age um, is a norm, uh, what is your view on that? Uh, so I, I think um, it also comes um, with uh, a quite a mixed bag, you know, because um, I think it's tough to um, apply one label uh, across the entire population because um, you know, just as just as you know, we are all uh, uh, in the population, right? All our views can be quite varied as well, right? So, uh, in fact, uh, I would say that you know the, the uh, how I approach things uh, would be to really listen to them uh, and and understand what their viewpoints are, you know, um, because um, this is where then the treatment plan right uh, becomes individualized, right? Rather than you know, oh, because, you know, you fit this particular uh, phenotype, right, this particular set of uh, chronic diseases, therefore you need uh, all these treatment plans uh, that are set up for you, right? We, we have to take them into account, right, uh, as a person, right? Person first and then patient second, right? Um, to then craft out something that is uh, uh, 
you know, uh, amenable to them, right? Something that is acceptable for them, right? Yeah, some, some of them um, do have uh, the mentality, you know, oh, you know, now I've got this, you know, yeah, uh, might as well, you know, I, I'm um, old already. Whereas some, you know, is, you know, um, in fact, I had, I had uh, one patient the other day who told me, you know, she's a fighter. Yeah, and, and, and you know, regardless of whatever people think, right, she has her own uh, mindset about things, right? And, and she um, still wants to maintain control. And so we cannot just um, stereotype them and say, you know, ah, yeah, all old people are like that one. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it shouldn't be that way. Lah. It's good that we have explored this issue. Uh, we should actually correct that mindset immediately and tell them that could be prevented and your quality of life could actually be enhanced with good adherence to the treatment plan that the doctor has prescribed. So, um, another, the last question that I would like to ask is, do you think that our elderly today, um, their quality of life would any way be affected because of the chronic diseases uh, that they're having with, as opposed to those older adults without chronic diseases? Uh, so, quality of life uh, is actually quite interesting because, um, in fact, uh, we've also done a, a study on this. You know, and, and we do find that there is a correlation uh, between um, those who are frail, right, with uh, multiple medical conditions and a poorer um, self-perceived quality of life. Yeah, and um, uh, that being said, right, um, I must say that um, it is also an opportunity, right, for intervention. Uh, because um, as we um, see frailty itself as a construct, uh, it is a dynamic state, meaning that uh, for someone who is regarded as frail, it means that you know, um, uh, they are more vulnerable you know, to um, poorer health outcomes when they are exposed to stressors. Um, there is a chance for them, right, if they were to manage, you know, chronic disease, uh, manage, you know, um, their mental faculty, their physical function, and improve, and, and in fact, transit uh, to a, maybe a pre-frail or robust state even, right? So, so there is an opportunity for them to um, get out of um, that particular situation if they take control of their health. How about Mandin? Actually, I feel like it can go one way or the other. It really depends on the individual. Like some elderly, like getting a chronic disease was like a wake up call to them. Suddenly they think, oh, I really must start taking care. I must start eating. Well. I need to get all that information, you know, like for some elderly. Then some other, some other elderly, they were thinking like, wow, that's life. You cannot stay healthy all the way. You know, you're going to get this. You're going to get that, you know. Then like, they're like, oh, I'm already, why do I still need to manage all of this? I've been doing fine all this while. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I feel like it can go both ways. It really depends on the individual. So have to see how open they are. Like what I like about when I was doing the, like uh, there was this health education session, like one of the nurses, she was talking to one of the patient and <laughs> the patient was like, uh, she was, she was just educating the patient. Nah. That's just one of the normal checkups, just checking in. Then uh the patient was uh he was then he just said that, oh, I've been eating really healthy. You know the because he got the health promotion, the pyramid 
that one, right? The speaker. So he said, Happy plate, happy plate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, I choose all my, f- I buy all my food as long as it has that sticker. <laughs> then the nurse educator was like, Yes, but that sticker got other types. It's less sugar or less salt. It might not be the sticker that is meant for you. Then she said, You know what sticker to look out for? And the elderly stared at her. They said, Oh, is it? Then after that, so I think it really depends on the, elders, the elderly mindset as well. Lah. Yeah, I think that's one of the major factors. Besides like uh, us doing um so support, making sure there's community resources available for them. And uh as what uh Dr. Matthew has mentioned, we need to uh look at the patient first before their chronic condition. I feel like holistic care is very important so that they will get motivated and if they feel like um they have enough resource resources, enough support, they will definitely feel like taking charge of their health and definitely uh, manage their chronic condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, do you think that uh, what are the challenges that we have to face with these conditions and this mentality? I think from uh, what we are seeing at the moment, right? Um, uh, it, I think um, education really forms, you know, uh, uh, the foundation for this, right? Because um, they need to be equipped, right? Uh, empowered, right, with the uh, right information, right, so that they can make um, an uh, educated uh, decision, right, uh, an informed uh, decision uh, with regards to how they can uh, improve their health, right? Um, and so then this is already, you know, um, uh, in place uh, by um, like Health Promotion Board, MOH, right? Uh, and and you know like uh, just a couple of years ago right that we have really declared uh, a war on diabetes but really I think um, if we were to be honest about it I think it should be really uh, targeting you know at managing chronic disease right yeah and 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 really I think um, education here will be the the main thrust. Lah. So thank you, Dr. Matthew and Bernadine uh, for your insights on this topic. So thank you so much for joining us today. So from this session, uh, we understand that elderly does undergo a series of biological aging process and they are still able to retain a relatively healthy physical and mental capacity to live a good quality of life. So the cruel fact um, is when the aging process gets complicated, when the body is burdened with disease, and disorders leading to early deterioration of the aging process. We believe that these effects can actually be delayed or minimized if the elderly health literacy is improved. So to conclude, I believe that this session reiterates the seriousness of this issue and highlight the importance of reflecting on health-related behavior and mentality of self-management to achieve and sustain a longer and better quality of life. So thank you everyone for listening. And once again, thank you Dr. Matthew and Bernadine for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.